run, 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 because here's another episode of They're Coming to Read You, Barbara, a podcast book club for the strange and unusual. I'm Jonathan. I'm Rebecca. And today we're talking about Reluctant Immortals by Gwendolyn Keist and Carmilla by Joseph Sheridan La Fanu. So, Rebecca, <laughs> can you please tell us more about the authors? Yes. Uh, I'll start with Gwendolyn Keist. Um, she's originally from Ohio, but currently lives in Pittsburgh in a abandoned horse farm, which is weird to have a farm with no horses. Oh. An abandoned horse. I guess there's just no animals. Or maybe the horses abandoned it. Or maybe <laughs> the people abandoned the horses. Oh, okay. And they've gone wild. <laughs> That would be cool. And form their own society. (laughs) (laughs) Go on. Anywho, uh, she currently lives in Pittsburgh, like I said. Uh, She originally started writing theater reviews for the city paper. Um, She is a three times Bram Stoker award winning author, most famous for The Rust Maidens. Have you read that? Oh, my God. It's so fucking good. You would love that. Okay, cool. Um, And uh, she initially was an independent filmmaker. Oh, interesting. Yes, then she's transitioned to writing. So, yeah, I can see that. As for Joseph Sheridan Le Fanu, mm-hmm. however you say that, he's <laughs> from Dublin, Ireland, writer of gothic tales, mystery novels, and horror fiction. Born in 1814, died in 1873. Uh, he was the leading ghostwriter of his time and central to the development of the genre in the Victorian era. era. Uh huh. <laughs> and he's best known for Uncle Silas, which is a locked room mystery. Carmilla, the book we're going to be talking about today, which is a vampire novel, and The House by the Churchyard, which is historical fiction. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm really interested in reading Uncle Silas. Yeah. Because I watched a movie of it. I think it has Gene Tierney and Vincent Price, actually. Ooh. And it's kind of like this uh, creepy uncle is trying to marry his niece. Uh, oh. to swindle her out of her fortune and then kill her. I think is oh. what the plot was. Uh, yes. And I'm a huge fan of Gwendolyn Keist. Yeah. Because um, she wrote Rust Maidens, which is fantastic. It's about these girls who live in this like derelict I, like town in Ohio where there used to be a factory. But now basically the entire town has gone to pot. And some of the teenage girls start to develop rust. And it's kind of like you kind of watch your bodies decay and you're trying to understand why it's happening. Interesting. Oh, my God. It's so good. I feel like that sounds very familiar. Did we talk about it before? We've talked about it a lot because I love it. (laughs) And then she also wrote Boneset Feathers, which is a very short book about witches. And it's like a very almost realistic like version of like. Mm, what would really happen if there really were witches that of course there would be religious zealots that were hounding them into infinity. Yeah. So I really love her. I love her short stories. Uh, She has a short story uh, that I wish I could remember the name of it. It was on pseudopod, the podcast, and it's a basically a take on Rebecca or a take on Jane Eyre. Yeah. Yeah. Where there's a woman in the attic and it's from her perspective and she's in love with the woman in the house and somehow trying to save her. Oh my gosh. It's so good. 
So big fan. Today's book, Reluctant Immortals, uh, is about the year 1967, and Bertha Mason and Lucy Westenra are still on the run from the two men who have tried to ruin their lives for a century, Edward Rochester and Dracula. They will soon be forced to confront their past and defeat these fiends once and for all, or else fall into their clutches again. And then we are also reading Carmilla. Uh, and Carmilla is about Laura's father takes in a strange girl after a mysterious accident. And Laura is delighted to have a new friend. She soon feels herself unusually drawn to this companion, even as she is troubled by reports in the village of a mysterious entity who is stalking and killing peasant girls. Rebecca, what did you think about Carmilla? Uh, I loved it. It was, um, it's a precursor to Dracula. It's like not like by the same person, obviously, but it came before Dracula. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's really interesting. And I'm really interested by the fact that it's like a lesbian vampire novella. Yeah. It's um, obviously that as well. Yeah, it's like super heavily implied. I was curious of how they received it back in the day you know yeah it was part of a short story collection yeah uh and when published it had illustrations as well the illustrations are pretty like for that era they're kind of sexy wow really cool yeah um you obviously know that it's a vampire like the whole time but it's it's interesting to see like the connection between like the previous story and the what's happening now in real time so yeah i liked it i also think it's harder for us to read it now with the same context because dracula and vampires in general are such a defined thing for us but like imagine reading this at that time when it wasn't such a set stereotype i feel like it would be really fresh and then on top of that i feel like this vampire is a little more specific Um, than Dracula. It does kind of take a different spin on it, uh-huh. but we can talk about that more. Yeah. What were your thoughts on Reluctant Immortals? Um, I loved uh, most of the book. Uh, I wasn't terribly fond of the end, but that's okay. Um, it was just like there was a lot of buildup, and then the climax for me was a little lackluster. Mm-hmm. Um, but the concept of uh, having Lucy from Dracula and B and Jane from Jane Eyre and Rochester and Dracula, obviously, uh, was really cool to see the different mm-hmm. take on the characters and having, um, spoiler alert, B and Jane be in love at the same time was yeah. fascinating. Yeah, I really liked uh, the idea of these characters in 1967. I really liked the climax, uh, for me, I did feel like it was a little bit slow at places, like getting to that climax. I did feel like it took a bit of a long time. Um, and maybe part of that is because I bring expectations of Gwendolyn Kyston because everything I've read by her has been very short. So I'm used to like a really zippy, uh, progression through the plot. I still really liked it. I think I like it more now that I've had time to think about it. Cause I'm like, I can always tell if I really appreciate something, if I'm able to recall a lot about it, even months later. And I read this a little while ago and I'm able to recall a lot. And there are, she does have a vibe, Gwendolyn Keist, that I really like. She has this like 
haunted girl vibe, outsider. Like her characters are instantly recognizable. I kind of know, like I would read this book and know it was hers or suspect at least. Um, And so I do like that she always tackles these stories from the perspective of women dealing with men's bullshit. Yeah. So I really liked that take on it. Yeah. I also like the concept of um, uh, Lucy being sort of Dracula's keeper mm-hmm. and from taking full power. Yeah. Um, but there were a lot of moments where it was like, oh, is this going to be the climax? Oh, is this going to be the climax? And then I feel like the climax was a little rushed. Okay. Time. Like it was just kind of like leading up to this grand moment and then it was kind of like over in a flash. Yeah, I get that. That's not, that's, that's just me personally. Yeah, I get that. I think I really loved certain things about the book. Like I did love Lucy having to keep Dracula. By the way, we do spoil everything in this book <laughs> or in this podcast. So, you know, keep listening at your own peril, but you should probably read both books first. Yeah. Um, But I did love Lucy keeping uh, Dracula in the urns. Yeah. I loved that, like, she has to clean the house constantly because- yes. Yeah, as a dead person, she attracts decay. I loved the showdown being uh, at a drive-in movie. Yeah. So I think uh, what I love most is all of these settings. I think uh, Gwendolyn is really good at creating settings that I'm like, I want to be there. I don't care that bad shit is happening. Yeah. Wasn't the drive-in playing Dracula, didn't she say? Yeah, it was playing playing Nosferatu Nosferatu. and Jane Eyre. Yeah. So it was like dual screens. That was really fascinating. Yeah, that was really cool, uh, like really visual. And then also like the fire and the projection room. I just felt like that was interesting. I also thought the like kind of inscape where uh, Lucy ends up going when she dies. Yeah. uh, Where she kind of retreats into this like, world prior to regenerating that's like a room and um who's there mina mina yeah mina is there from dracula and i thought that was really interesting yeah and i did feel like in lesser hands i wouldn't have understood what the fuck was happening (laughs) so i really enjoyed that part of the book yeah and i liked how that was kind of dracula's demise yeah the hands in the wall uh huh. The victims that ended yeah. up taking him. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Spoiler. So about Carmilla, yes. I think the elements that I loved the most were I loved how Carmilla and this person pretending to be her mom and this other witch who doesn't get out of the caravan and we only hear a little bit about. Yeah. I love that they are serial predators. Yeah. Going from like village to village, house to house. And pulling the same scheme. Yeah. They're almost like grifters. Yeah. And I really loved that. Yeah. Um, and seeing that come back. I also really loved that part of the connection between Carmilla and Laura is that, yes, Carmilla is feeding on her, but that by feeding on her, she starts to feel like she's in love with Laura. Yeah. So I found that really such a complicated dynamic and that Laura is also drawn to her, even though she is starting to suspect things. Mm -hmm. But I think for me, where that book kind of uh, not fell apart, but where I started to be like, oi, we're showing our, we're showing our age is that 
they have a man show up yeah. in the final section of the book. And he's like, I have a book that tells you everything you need to know. <laughs> Whereas if this book was written now, I do think it would be up to Laura to save herself. Yeah. Yeah. And Laura wouldn't have to worry about being whisked off to a mental, mental institution like yeah. hysteria. <laughs> yeah. So. I just felt like the entire last part of this book, Laura loses all of her agency mm-hmm. in the book and she does not have to participate. Yeah. And it's just these men showing up and being like, quick, let's cut off her head and let's kill this vampire. And yeah. I'm like, who the fuck are these dudes? <laughs> they were not part of the book. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. That's very true. But that does, like you said, show its age. Yeah, for sure. And also show that it originates with a male author of the Victorian era. He's like, of course, a man would have to come save this little lady. Yeah. Also, that is what makes it so interesting that he chose to do like a lesbian vampire. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little fetishistic, right? I think a lesbian vampire would be able to get away with it more than just like a man and a woman. Because a man and a woman would be allowed to be alone together in that period. So making it, because women were so close together because they didn't have a choice. So having them be so close, people wouldn't bat an eyelid about that. Yeah. Very clever. I also thought this book said a lot about class because Carmilla like does seem to have some remorse for feeding off of Laura. Yeah. But very much when the peasant girl dies, she's like, whatever, she was a peasant. Who yeah. cares? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. But I really loved it. Uh, just definitely at the end, I was like, what was the rush? Why are you so hurried? Yeah. I was like, gosh, we've developed this so great. And then at the end, we're like, oh, we found a book. We solved it. We cut off her head. We're done. Yeah, it was kind of a whirlwind. Yeah. Yeah. In the end... Do you think, because I kind of felt like it is implied that Laura is left a little haunted. Do you think Laura is a vampire? I mean, she started exhibiting traits towards the end where like she was sleeping in later Mm -hmm. and she was, yeah. So I think maybe, yeah. I think maybe too. And I kind of like that ending. Yeah. The like dot, dot, dot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Between both books, what characters did you identify most with? Oh, um, that's a good question. I really, after reading, um, oh shoot, what's it called? The, the book from Beatrice's perspective. You know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> the book from Beatrice's. Oh, 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 the Wide Sargasso Sea. Yes. Yes. After reading that, I, I feel more of a connection with B. Yeah. And I think that her storyline is the most interesting. Uh-huh. So she was the one that I felt a connection. Yeah. And that stuff in the attic, that like gross goo. Yeah. Reminded me of Mexican Gothic. Yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. And the decay and everything. And I love yeah. that they don't really explain what the goo is. Yeah. I felt like of... I got just enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I really like that. So she was, she was my favorite. I really, I agree that I can see that being the person you most identify with. I had trouble not thinking of you in relation to that character sometimes. And maybe part of that is because like I most identified with Lucy. And so maybe just automatically I was shoehorning people I love into other roles, (laughs) but I like definitely identified with Lucy because uh, like I do, I like, I also feel that like fierce determination to like, defend people I care about. Yeah. And so that is the one I identified most with. 
Um, and I found her perspective really interesting. Yeah. Uh, that like, she is really struggling with like, how do you cobble together a life worth living when you're always on the run? Yeah. Yeah. And like the guilt that she had over being a vampire. Yeah. The, the anger that she had towards Dracula. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I like that. Uh, do you think uh, you would try to fight her Mila or do you think you would let her have her way? I think we all know the answer to that question. I think we do too. <laughs> you know how I feel about vampires. Yeah. So I would totally let her do that. I think it would be really hard for me to distance myself from someone like that was obviously killing me if the seduction was also really sweet. Yeah. And it did seem like the seduction was really yeah, sweet. It was. Yeah. Which villain out of both books, which villain scared you the most? Rochester. Me too. He was creepy and like the way he controlled women. Yes. It was like, and with the goo. Uh-huh. I was like, he seems like, it's weird that I didn't choose Dracula because Dracula seems the most supernaturally evil. Yeah. But yeah, Rochester. Rochester scared me the most too. I also think there was like an actual hatred he was operating from. Yeah. Whereas Dracula and Carmilla are both operating more from desire. Yes. And so for some reason, Rochester's actual hatred of B and Jane is scarier to me. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Were you delighted when Jane Eyre showed up in the book? I was. Yeah. That was so fun. I was like, oh, and they're in love. I love yeah. that. It's like the best kind of fan fiction. Yeah. I was too. When she comes knocking, I expected it to be Mina, honestly. Yeah. And instead it was uh, Jane, which I didn't expect at no. all. I thought she would be dead. Yeah. Uh, and so I was delighted. Yes. I loved that. Yeah. If you were going to make a movie out of either book, which, of course, there are movies of Carmilla, but I, I don't think there's, like, a definitive one. No, I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, it doesn't seem like there's one that people are like, this is it. Who would you cast? I would love to see a movie of either of these stories. Mm -hmm. um, Lucy, for me, I still picture as, like, a beautiful redhead. Mm -hmm. So it would have to be, like, maybe um, the cherry girl from Riverdale. Oh, okay, um, okay. Slightly younger because she was yeah Lucy's pretty young when she gets bitten right yeah I think so, so. slightly younger um let's see I think that's about all I can really think of yeah so well for uh for reluctant immortals I thought Rooney Mara for Lucy okay yeah, yeah. I just think Rooney Mara has that like heavily vampire energy already yeah, and I think. She also has, like, the action chops to, like, have a kick-ass battle scene. True. So I think that would be good. True. Also, if I was a lesbian, if Rooney Mara, I know she's not, I don't think. <laughs> no, she's with Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, if she hit on me, I would lose my fucking mind. <laughs> uh, so, but then for B, I chose Sydney Sweeney from white lotus and euphoria okay yeah yeah so i chose sydney sweeney because she has such a like wide innocent face yeah that i felt Very like joey yeah and i do feel like she's a phenomenal actress um and then for jane i chose mia goth mia goth, mia goth is from the movie x and pearl oh yeah Okay. Just because, honestly, she should be in every horror movie. Yeah, she should be. Let's give her what Jamie Lee Curtis has. Yes. Uh, which means an Oscar. So. Yeah. <laughs>
But then, interesting. Yeah. But then for Carmilla, I also thought about Carmilla. And I thought for uh, Laura, I would choose Anya Taylor Joy. Oh, well, I love. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it, Sold. Right. But then for Carmilla, I actually thought Halle Bailey. Interesting. I would love to see her play something evil. Yeah. And I think she is like, has such a like, a beguiling face uh-huh. that I feel like it would be really hard to see her as evil yeah. right away. True. That's very true. Whereas if Anya Taylor joy showed up uh, yeah. with some creepy person in a carriage, I'd be like, that's a vampire. <laughs> yeah. I can see that. Yeah. That's a very good casting choice. Oh, there's so many good goth girls to choose yeah. from. Yeah. What is your moan and groan of Carmilla? Oh, Carmilla. Um, Moan is the thing you love for listeners and your groan is the one element out of the book you could have done without or changed. Um, I would have to say, uh, I, so groan is the one I like or don't like. Moan is the one you like. Moan is the one yes. I like. Okay. So for groan, the part I don't like as much uh-huh. was what you said, the ending, how it was like, the man comes in, swoops over. Yeah, I agree. That yeah. like Dusex Machina, I did not like. Yeah. Uh, in particular, because it comes from a character we literally meet on like page 75. Right. It was like, I don't even like this dude. Yeah, he just shows up. And he's solving he's all the problems. It's yeah. pissing me off. Yeah. Yeah, that's my groan. Um, I think Moan would be uh I really like the scene where they're um in the they're like on a bench in the garden yeah. or something under uh-huh. the light. I was just I really liked the way that was described. Yeah. I think for me, my moan would have to be uh like the fact that Carmilla keeps disappearing from her room. Yes. And like even with the door locked, and also the kind of precursor scene where Carmilla uh, appears to Laura as a little girl yes. and bites her. That was creepy. That was very scary. Was very and the creepy. fact that like later Laura remembers it and Carmilla has like a concocted story writing about it. I was like, that is very scary. Yeah, good point. I forgot about that. Point. Yeah. That's just genuinely creepy. Yeah. I feel like it also leaves a lot of questions and it makes the vampire lore a little less tidy in this book, yes. which I appreciate. Yeah. Very true. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your moan and groan for reluctant immortals? Yeah. I'm ready for this. One. Ooh, okay. Groan. Uh, the, when the women suddenly turned on Rochester, uh-huh. I didn't really buy that as much. Okay. Um, how it was like they were under control and they were all like zombies, and then all of a sudden they're like rise up against Rochester. Uh-huh. So maybe not as believable to me. Um, but my moan, um, I think, is what I said before when in the afterlife area that um, Lucy and Dracula and Mina are in, when they start coming out of the walls and taking him away. I like that part. Right. Okay. Yeah. I loved that as well. I think for me, my groan, and I would want to like reread it to figure out where, because I like, but there was a point where it started to drag for me when they were running away so much. Yes. They were running from here, running to here, running to here. And for some reason, like part of my brain was like, okay, let's sit down and do something. That was my groan. Yeah. Uh, But my moan, oh, I feel like my moan is, oh gosh, I'm having trouble thinking. <laughs> but I think it's when Dracula escapes. 
Okay. I thought that was very fun to me. And then also the final showdown with those dueling drive-in movie screens yeah. is something that I am going to remember and yeah. I wish was in a movie. Yes. Because that would be very cinematic. Yeah. So it makes sense that she was a filmmaker because yeah. she's obviously thinking in these so visual way. scenes. Yeah. So I thought that was really good. Yeah. And I love Dracula escaping. I also really liked Renfield as a character. Yes, the kind of like... Um redemption yeah it, so I found that really interesting yeah and so when we were picking up this book then I also was taking a gothic lit class and then Renfield came out and I was like gosh everything is pointing me in this direction yeah. right now it's kind of fun yeah I also want to say that I really liked when um they were trapped in the attic yes and B was getting like traumatic flashbacks and she was uh -huh. also mad at Jane but then the only way they could think of to get out was to kill Lucy underneath the door so that yeah. because she like rejuvenates or whatever after she dies. She turns into a puddle of blood, seeps under the door, and then reappears on the other yeah. side of the door. I thought that was really interesting. That was really interesting. Yeah. And in the meanwhile, we get to see her talk to Mina again. Yes. It was mm -hmm. very cool. Yeah. So we have a game. Okay. And it is Fuck Mary Kill. Oh yay. But starring gothic heroines. Hell yeah. Which I thought was either wildly inappropriate or <laughs> very apt, considering that Reluctant Immortals is literally about uh Rochester and Dracula deciding whether to fuck Mary or kill <laughs> the heroines of the book. So we are going to play Fuck Mary Kill. Okay. And your first selections are Okay. Jane Eyre, okay. Lucy Westenra, Ooh. or B. Ooh, okay. I would kill Lucy. Okay. Uh, I would. Ooh, this is tough. <laughs> I would uh, fuck B. Okay. And marry Jane. Okay. All right. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, what about uh? Mina from Dracula. Okay. Lady Macbeth. Oh. Or Carmilla. Oh. Okay. I would marry Mina. Okay. Kill Lady Macbeth. Yeah. And sleep with Carmilla. Yeah. I feel like she's very sensual. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I also feel like Mina in the novel Dracula is just like the, like, she's over the top in her like devotion to Jonathan. Yeah. So I think that's like a trend I'm noticing, like marrying Jane Eyre, who's also very much devoted to Rochester. Oh, yeah. Mina. I feel like in that first group, I would actually marry B. Yeah. It was a tough choice. Yeah. Right. Choice. Okay. Uh, so next group, Constance from we have always lived in the castle. Okay. The second Mrs. De Winter from Rebecca. Okay. And Noemi Tabawada from Mexican Gothic. She's the main character? I forget. Yes. Okay. I should kill one of them? You have to kill one of them. I would kill Constance. Okay. okay. <laughs> and then I would sleep with Noemi. Noemi Tabawada. Uh, and then marry, um, yes. The second Mrs. De Winter. Yes. The nameless character. Again, devotion. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I think for me, I actually would marry Constance. Okay. Because you know she'd cover a murder for you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, definitely sleep with Noemi Tabawada because she yeah. does just come across as very sexy. Yes, she does. And I would regret it, but I guess kill the second Mrs. De Winter. Oh. I know. Okay. Who I really love. Yeah. Okay. This next one is going to be very hard for you. Oh, boy, they've all been hard. 
Morticia Adams. Oh, God. Elvira. Oh, no. And Vampira. I have to kill one of them? You have to kill one of them. It can be a very gentle death. I would marry Morticia Adams. Okay. Sleep with Elvira. Okay. And by process of elimination, I would kill Vampira. That's mine, too. How do you not marry Morticia? Right. Oh, every Again, devotion. Every day, please. Every day, yeah, Morticia. Elvira is so sexy. Honestly, and I would sleep with her now. I mean, I guess just yeah. I guess I have to kill Vampira, even I though guess. she's one of my idols as well. So yeah. Okay, these are made to be tough. All right, Celine in Underworld. Oh my God. Nancy from The Craft, and Edith from Cre- Crimson Peak. Oh, oh, okay. I would kill Nancy. Okay. She's psychotic. Okay. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, Celine, I would sleep with because, honestly, I was in love with her. Yeah. She's very sexy in there. She is. And then, obviously, I would marry, um, what was the last one? Edith. Edith. Yeah, because, again. The devotion. The devotion. I think, for me, I Edith. would marry Edith, uh, and but... Not Celine because I can't keep up with Celine. No, she'd have to defend me all the time. Yeah, and I would feel like a total piece of garbage. I would be. Her. Yeah, I would be absolutely useless. <laughs> Even if she slept with me, I'd be like, "Are you sure?" <laughs> okay. Okay, this last one's gonna be hard for you too. Okay. And we can just say dismiss since these are real people. We <laughs> okay. we don't have to say kill. Okay. Uh, Anya Taylor Joy, Ava Green, and Theta Barra. Beta Bera, the movie star from the 20s. Do, oh, do, the do, original do. goth? Yeah, the original goth. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, Anya Taylor-Joy, Beta Bera, and who was the middle? Ava Green. Green, oh, God. I know. I guess I would dismiss Beta Bera because... Same. I don't, she's not as... I dig her very vibe. Cool, very cool, but not as sensual, I guess, yeah. as the other two. And I would probably marry Ava Green. Okay. And then I would be with Anya Taylor-Joy. I think that's mine, too, because I have a hard time rationalizing marrying Anya Taylor-Joy when she's so much younger. Yes. <laughs> younger. And, yeah, again, I would just... Not that I wouldn't feel like garbage next to Ava Green, but I think maybe Ava, Ava Green and me are on the same level intellectually. Yeah, I get that. Whereas Anya Taylor-Joy, she feels so far out of my league that I wouldn't even know where to start. Well, disagree that there. Ava, Ava Green's in my league, but, like, you know what I mean? Disagree there. I think they're both in your league. I think they might be calling now. <laughs> what would you rate Carmilla out of 10? Uh, a seven. I would rate it at a seven as well. I do think that ending kind of knocks it down yes. for me. Yeah. What about Reluctant Immortals? Ooh, um, eight and a half. I agree with that. I think I'd go solid eight. I really enjoyed it. The more distance I get from it, the more I'm like, I think I'm going to have to read that again. Yes, agreed. Uh, I really liked it. Um, and it also just has so many characters I really love. Yes, same. Yep. Yeah. So do you have anything right now that you're reading, watching, or listening to that is bringing you joy? Um, Let's see. I just started a Rowan Parish short story. I saw that on um, your Goodreads. Yes. Uh what is it called? I forget the glory of something where like, uh, it's about two guys 
that fall in love. One of them is like an old fashioned kind of soul who is restoring the local movie theater from the twenties. Oh, and the other one is just a sassy barista. Uh huh. And the two of them together are super cute. Uh, the Pride of Garnet Run. Yes, thank you. By Rowan yeah. Parrish, and it's really just heartwarming. That sounded so, so good. Cute. It's really short. Um, it's one of his little short stories, but yeah. Yeah, because we just read The Holiday Trap yes. by Roan Parrish. So it's that warm, fuzzy vibe. Yeah, I love that. I am reading uh, The Poisonwood Bible by Barbara King Solver. And boy, is that heavy, yeah. but very good. Mm-hmm. I'm also reading uh, Ring, the novel that inspired the movies. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, and... Uh, is it it's mm, No, it's more of a mystery and... Oh. Like there's a like the way that women are talked about. I'm like, I wonder if it's just translation or mm. what. But like the way women are talked about in the novel so far, really kind of oogie. The way this guy talks about his wife, and so oh. I don't know. I'm into it, but I'm much more into the Poisonwood Bible right now. Okay. It's very hard to put down, even if it's hard to read. Oh, okay. So yeah, nice. Yeah, well, thank you for sharing with us. And thank you, listeners, for joining us today. Until next episode, stay spooky. The music for They're Coming to Read You, Barbara, comes from Eric Matias at www.soundimage.org. Goodbye! Woo!